My name is Wayne, and as Bryson said, today we're thinking about the question, who am I? And to help us answer that question, we're going to look at three stories that Jesus told when he walked this earth. And we've already just had those three stories read for us, haven't we? Three stories about things that were lost and then found again. Now, if you've ever lost anything, you'll know what Jesus is talking about here. Maybe you haven't lost sheep, or maybe you have, but have you ever lost your wallet? Have you lost your handbag? Have you lost your keys? Have you lost your glasses? Have you lost your phone? Have you lost a prescription? If you've ever lost something, then you will probably also know the relief, the joy of finding it again. I've experienced this many times. (laughs) A couple of years ago, I lost the hard drive out of my computer. Now, believe it or not, I've lost my hard drive a couple of times. But this particular time, we were going on holidays and I decided to remove the hard drive from my computer and hide it so that if someone broke into the house and took my computer, I wouldn't lose all of the files. Now, In case you don't know, the hard drive of the computer is where everything is stored. Your photos, your documents, everything. Well, we got back from holidays. No one had broken in. Went to start my computer. Couldn't remember where I'd put the hard drive. Turned the house upside down. Looked in all the secret places, you know, back of the undies drawer, in the filing cabinet under the files. I won't tell you all my other secret places, but they're pretty obvious, aren't they? Couldn't find it anywhere. A few days later, I was tidying up my study, empty the garbage bin, sure enough, right at the bottom of the bin, under all the papers, that's where I'd put it, my hard drive. You could not believe how happy I was when I found it. I could have thrown a party. Maybe you've got a story like that. Just last October, I was in Sydney for a wedding that I was conducting, and I decided to buy a new suit. My other one is about 20 years old. It was the night of the wedding rehearsal and I arrived in Sydney a few hours early so I went to the Macquarie Centre, huge shopping centre, to buy a new suit. Came out of the suit shop, back to the car park, couldn't find my car. Now look, that's not unusual. I, I lose my car every time I go to a run a mall but I find it in about, you know, 20 seconds. I started looking where I thought the car was. It's not there. So I start to systematically go around in small circles, slowly bigger, row by row, until I have walked the entire level of the car park. I still can't find my car. Now, I was pretty sure I parked on yellow level, but after looking at yellow level for 15 minutes, my mind is playing tricks on me, and I'm starting to think maybe I parked on blue level. So I go up the elevator to blue level. I look at the entire blue level. No car. So I'm staring at blue poles, I've been staring at yellow poles, and then my my brain says, actually, maybe it was purple level. So I'm down two floors, and I'm searching the entire purple level. To cut a long story short, 45 minutes later, I still haven't found the car, and I'm starting to panic. I've got my good black leather shoes on, my my legs are killing me because I've been literally running around now on the concrete. I'm a ball of sweat. The problem is... I thought about catching a taxi to the wedding rehearsal, but the paperwork that the couple have to sign, it's in the car. 
Eventually, I'm looking at the watch, I'm doing all the calculations, and I'm going to miss the wedding rehearsal altogether, so I decide I've got to cut my losses and catch the taxi. So I run over to the other side of the Macquarie Centre, and when I'm just about out of the car park, you guessed it, I see this sign that I recognise from when I parked the car, I turn the corner, there was the car. I've never been so happy to see a car in my life. I was so happy. Now, it's that emotion, that joy, that relief, that excitement that Jesus taps into in these three stories. And like Bryson sort of has already shown us in the children's talk, that is how God feels when someone who is lost is found. That's how God feels when someone like you or I, you or me, sorry, returns to him. So have a look at that first story together. You can follow it along in your outline. It's printed there, but it's from the Bible. It's from a part of the Bible called Luke, chapter 15. Let's just read it again from verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable, and a parable is just a story with a meaning to it. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. When you've lost something that matters to you, and obviously this was a precious sheep to this man, you are going to search everywhere for it, and when you find it, there's great joy because it was precious to you. And that is how God feels about us. That's the punchline. Did you see it there in verse 7? I've bolded it. It wasn't bolded in the Bible, but I've just bolded it for us this morning. Verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It's like that children's talk. There is a party, there is a celebration going on when someone turns back to God. And this story is not just about sheep, is it? It's about us. Jesus tells a second story. The details have changed. It's exactly the same meaning. Jesus wants to make sure that we don't miss it. Verse 8, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? This coin matters. She's not going to give up. She's got the torch out. She's looking in the dark places. She's cleaning over the whole house. Verse 9, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The joy that you find when the joy that you have when you find something that is precious to you, that's how God feels when someone returns to him. Do you see where Jesus is going with all this? Who am I? Who are you? The answer to that question is very simple. If you're here this morning and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, if you're here to find out more, then you are someone who is lost, but also you are someone who is incredibly 
precious to God, and he wants you to come back home to him. Now, Jesus tells a third story to make sure we we can't miss this. This time it's not about a sheep or a coin. This time it is about a person, a son. And this time it's not just that this son is lost. He's actually done some bad things. To show us that even if we have turned our backs on God, even if we have done terrible things, we are still loved by him. Verse 11 and the third paragraph there on your bulletin. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, this isn't great, the son asking the father for his inheritance, but it's not a scandal. It was actually allowed in Jewish law. There was provision for this that a son could take the inheritance early. But what happens next is a scandal. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, none of our sons or daughters have left home yet. Ben's not far off. He's 17. It must be hard when your children leave. That's happened for some of you. But it must be even harder when, as they leave, they reject you. I can't imagine, but it must tear your heart out to watch your son or daughter cut off their relationship with you and walk away. And then for you as a parent to watch them destroy their life. Go against everything that you've told them. Damage themselves. That's this son. Jesus said he squandered his money in wild living. And a little later on, if you read on, we find out that he was using some of his money at least on prostitutes. He's desperate. He takes the family inheritance and he throws it away. He wastes it. He's really lost. Thankfully, though, when his money runs out, he comes to his senses. Look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. A Jewish person, pigs are the worst, he's feeding them. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. Isn't it funny sometimes how when life is going well, we can be blind to what actually matters? By dad, I'll take the money. But when things fall apart, it's then that we realise that relationships and people and family and God matter. When the son's life falls apart here, he realises that life apart from his dad isn't as good as he thought it would be. And this is where the story turns around. He comes to his senses. He realises how foolish it was to run away from his father 
and he decides to go back home. And just like with the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep, Jesus is setting us up here, isn't he? The father is so happy when his son comes home. He celebrates. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I'll set out and go back to my father. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. Again, he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And let me just remind you again what this story is really about. Verse 7, I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. It's not about a sheep. It's not about a coin. It's not even about a son. This story is about us. This is how God feels when we come back to him. And if you're here this morning and you don't know God, if you're here this morning and you're not close to God, if you're here this morning and you've been running away from God, Jesus wants you to know who you are. You are someone who is loved by God. He's standing there with his arms wide open waiting for you to come home. He's waiting to throw his arms around you and celebrate because you're precious to him. God is not some unfair, oppressive father that you need to run away from. He's the loving father standing there waiting for you to come home. And as great as these three stories are, Jesus didn't just tell us how precious we are to God. He showed us. See, not long after he told these stories, Jesus gave his life. He died on the cross to pay for the things that we've done wrong. Jesus, by his death, made it possible for you to come back to God and not just to come back to God as some slave with some big debt that you have to pay back. No, you do, Jesus has paid for everything you've done wrong. Did you notice the speech that the son was rehearsing on his way home that he was going to give to his father? Look at it there in verse 19. Just have a look at verse 19. This is the son's speech. Look at it. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. That's not what happened, is it? When the son got home, his father embraced him and welcomed him home as a son. 
And when we come back to God, it's like that. Everything is forgiven. We come back as a son or a daughter. We come back with a fresh start to live our life with God as it was meant to be lived. If only we will come to our senses. So if you're here this morning and you know that you are still running away from God, that's what you need to do. Come to your senses. Realise that trying to live without God doesn't work. It's empty. Acknowledge that how you've treated God is wrong. And you know it. But yet to realise that God still wants you back. In verse 7, Jesus calls that action of coming back to God, repenting. It's a word that we've been using in the last couple of weeks. Repenting simply means turning your life around. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. You need to stop running away from God and turn back to him. That's the answer to our question this morning. We are people who have wandered away from God, but we're precious to him, and he wants us back. And it doesn't matter what you've done wrong, it doesn't matter how far you've wandered and for how long you've been wandering, God stands there ready to forgive. These three stories that Jesus told about lost and found things remind me of another story by Ernest Hemingway. You might have heard it, I'm not sure. It's about a lost son called Paco. Paco was a rebellious boy, like the boy in Jesus' story. He didn't want to follow his father's rules. He wanted his independence. So one evening, in the heat of an argument, Paco yelled some hateful words at his father. He packed up his stuff, he slammed the door behind him, and he travelled to Madrid, never wanting to see his father again. But as Ernest Hemingway goes on, His father loved him. His father worried about him every night. His father wondered what his son was up to. So eventually his father travels to Madrid. He didn't know where to find his son. So he placed an ad in the classified section of the newspaper and it said this, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana, noon Tuesday. All is forgiven. Papa. The next day, noon Tuesday, the father arrives at the Hotel Montana. There are 800 young men there, called Paco, looking for their father. Jesus' parable about the lost son is really about us all. Lost sons, lost daughters. And you are very precious to God. Will you come home? Let's pray. Father God, in our, um, in our darkest moments, we wonder if you do love us. We think that life might be better without you. But Father, thank you that Jesus so clearly... Uh, explains to us how you see us, that we're precious to you. 
But Father, thank you that these were not just words of Jesus, that he put it into action and that he died for us to demonstrate your love for us. Father, thank you that we are precious to you. Thank you that you love it when we return home. Father, for people here this morning who don't yet know you, we pray that they might come home. And Father, for those of us who do know you, thank you that it's not because of anything we've done, but thank you that that it's because of your incredible love for us that you have us back. Amen.